relationship. But that guy's my boss. He could fire me. Sometimes we've received God's mercy, but we've forgotten that we should extend that mercy to others. Just like Jonah and, and Israel, they had received God's mercy, they knew God, and yet they, they weren't excited about sharing that with the Ninevites. Are there ways that you need to get out of your comfort zone, but you're not? Jonah was comfortable where he was at. He didn't want to go to this foreign place, and yet that's what God was asking him to do. We also ask, are you walking a path of sin? Are you taking small steps away from God in the direction that he's called you? Some of the action steps uh, from last week that, that we were challenged with is that we could, we could meet with someone this past week, someone who needs to hear the gospel, someone that God has put on our heart. Maybe you had a chance to do that this week. Maybe you had a chance to respond. Another step was, is there someone that we could, we could call and just offer forgiveness? As we've felt God's mercy and God's forgiveness, we can pass that on in a way that we've delayed that. Maybe the, the thing that, that God was asking us to do was just to, to do something to get out of our comfort zone. Maybe that was, was join a group. Maybe it was uh, sign up for a trip to Haiti or look into that. It could be a lot of things that are out of your comfort zone, but maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe God's calling us to, to get accountability for our lives, to say, God, I want someone to, to remind me of what you're asking me to do, to remind me of what you're, you're wanting in my life. And, and I, I need someone to confess sin to and just someone to, to be my, my boundaries. The overarching theme in this book of Jonah is that God is compassionate. And so uh, as, we, as we step from uh, chapter 1 to chapter 2, we want to look at that today. And last week, uh, you guys will remember that, that we left on the, the greatest cliffhanger of all time, right? One of the greatest biblical cliffhangers because uh, we stopped in verse 15 and 16 and it says this. It's on, uh, it's on page 701. If you want to turn there, you might have a, a Bible under your seat or the seat next to you. Maybe you brought a Bible. We'll be in Jonah chapter 1. But this is what verse 15 and 16 says. This is the cliffhanger that Sarah left you guys on. What a terrible person she is, right? It says this. It says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. There's an exclamation point there. I was going to yell, but I have a microphone, and I don't want to hurt your ears, all right? But this is a big deal. Verse 16 says, The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And so this book is called Jonah. It's about a man named Jonah. The first chapter has been all about Jonah and what's going on in his life. And last week we stopped like, oh, by the way, this guy got thrown into the raging sea. And then we just, we just ended Sunday, sang a song, and walked out the door, right? And all week you guys couldn't find a Bible anywhere, and you were worried sick, and you're like, what happened to Jonah, right? You're really upset about it, right? No, you probably know what happened to Jonah. And so I want to, uh, I want to read this to you here. This is Jonah uh, chapter 1, verse 17. This is a, it's a famous story. You probably know this from when you were growing up. It's, it's, uh, you probably had a boat in your room just like this, and so you know what I'm about to read. But it says this, chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So Jonah thought that, that his days of, of running from God were over, right? Because uh, he'd been in this boat and it was just getting terrible. And the sailors were like, what can we do? And he's like, throw me out of the boat. Everything will be great. And so they throw him out of the boat and everything was great as far as they were concerned. And Jonah's probably thinking, well, I'm going to die. I'm just randomly stranded in the sea. I don't have like an inflatable raft or anything. I'm just, I'm just hanging out here. Life is not good. And uh, he probably was, you know, saying his, his final prayers, like, I'm sorry I didn't follow you, God. I promise I, I get it now. You've got my attention. But uh, I want to read what, uh, what was going through his mind, what was going through his heart. And so we want to start here in chapter 2, uh, verse 1, and keep reading. We'll go through uh, verse 10. It says this on page 701. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. 
I called to you from the world of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near. The waters closed in around me, and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O Lord, my God, have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah on the beach, and it did. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in that story. We'll, we'll get there in a second. But uh, verse 17 obviously showed us that, that God had a, had a plan for Jonah. He arranged for this fish to come and find him. I don't know if it's ever happened in your life, but I doubt you've ever been swallowed by a big fish. And so chances are, this is a God-ordained event, right? This is something that, that God kind of put in motion. And uh, I think most of us grew up hearing about the story of, of Jonah and the whale, uh, now some people are, are pointing out, hey, we don't know if this is a whale. We just think it, it might have been because that's like the biggest thing in the water we can think of, right? But the, the Hebrew actually kind of refers to an aquatic beast. And so this could have just been some, some giant fish that was there. Maybe God orchestrated bringing it there. Um, but, but what we know is that Jonah was in this fish for, for three days, not just in this story. I'll, I'll read this to you quick, but this is, uh, this is Matthew 12. Verse 40, this, this is uh, something that, that Jesus even confirms. It says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And so there's a lot of parallels between this story and between this chapter in the story to what Jesus did when he died on the cross and when he defeated death and gave us life and relationship and built a bridge to, to God the Father. And so that's kind of some of the, the backdrop of these things. But verses uh, chapter 5 and 7 there of, of chapter 2, Things get really bad for Jonah, right? He's, he's in the fish, and then he starts like giving you the backstory, kind of like a well-written script, right? He's, he's chilling in this fish. I'm not sure what it's like to do that. But, but then he's like, I was really not doing good there for a second, and I, was, I had some seaweed around my neck, and I was way down deep. I thought I was going to die. This was awful. I thought you were gone forever, God, and I thought I was lost. And, and he's kind of recapturing this, talking about drowning and, and his life slipping away. And uh, it, it's neat how he, how he says this, but he says that this fish was his salvation, right? He, he, was, he was down. He was, he was done. He had kind of pursued his own path and gotten to the end of that and run from God and, and just felt like, like nothing could save him. Nothing could, could ever go right again. And this fish was his salvation. And so when this fish swallows Jonah, it kind of changes everything that's, that's going on. And uh, everything that, that he thought he knew... Uh, was, was about to change. And if, if, if you haven't seen the humor in this story, um, you know, God could have just sent like a piece of driftwood by, right? And he could have just got on that thing like Titanic and just hung out there, you know? But, but, but God sent a fish. And do you, ever, do you ever think about being inside of an animal? It's how weird that is. I mean, some of you are thinking like how bad of breath your dog has. So imagine just like a giant aquatic beast swallowing you. Think about um, just, just how weird that would be and, and how... Um, how interesting it would be in a fish. I mean, I'm sure there's like acid and things that I don't even fathom, part of the digestion process. And so, um, but this is what, what God had, had, had basically planned to, uh, to receive him, and this was his salvation. And so um, he'd been running, and, and God had, and this, this situation had happened. And so sometimes in our lives, 
um, God has to, to use a crazy situation like running from him, jumping out of a boat, being part of a storm, thinking you're going to die, going to the bottom of this, this body of water, having seaweed wrapped around your neck, and then being swallowed by a big fish to get our attention, right? I mean, you've probably had an event in your life that for better or worse, you wouldn't have chosen it to be that way and you wouldn't have thought it worked out that way, but God used it to get your attention and God used it to turn your attention to him. And so in verse, or I'm sorry, in, in verses two through nine in this chapter, Jonah's just saying, hey God, things were bad. Things were really bad. Things were really, really, really bad. But just so we're all on the same page, you've got my attention now. And Jonah says, I recognize that, that you're my salvation. I recognize that you're powerful. And I recognize your ability. And once Jonah had this change in heart and a change in perspective, we're able to see that, that God is in control. And Jonah's able to see that God is in control too. And so God moves him from this circumstance. But what can, what can we learn from this? We said that we've all had an opportunity or a situation like this in our life that, that for better or worse took our attention from here to here. And God used that situation to turn our eyes to him, to put our attention on him. It could have been the, the loss of a job. It could have been uh, the, the conclusion of a relationship. It could have been financial trouble. It could have been a fight with, with family. It could have been a terrible breakup. It could be a health scare. It could be an actual problem with your health. There are a lot of things that, that God uses to get our attention, and yet... We can, we can learn that from this book, that some of the situations that are, are so awful and, and seem so crazy and, and we're just not sure what God is doing in the moment, they're situations that prepare us for what God wants to take us through, right? Maybe, maybe it seemed like a big deal at the time, and yet it was just something that God was using to strengthen us and prepare us for the future. I remember when I was in seminary, my last semester, uh, I got this job uh, basically, I was working in a lab, and I had zero qualifications to work in a lab. My friend had the job before, and it sounds really cool, and everyone there was an engineer, a doctor, except me. What I basically did was pay for seminary by scrubbing things with a toothbrush, right? And so they would run all these tests with, like, metal parts, and I was in the tribology lab, which is the study of scratches, if you ever want to know. And they were, they were doing knee inserts and all these things, and um, all I did was clean things with a toothbrush and listen to my iPod, which was super awesome in 2004, because iPods were, like, brand new, and I was awesome for having one. Uh, but, but one day these guys came to me and they're like, hey, we're cutting all the contracted employees. Peace. You know, and so I'd been married for like, I don't know, a year. And my dad was always like, you need to provide for your family, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, great, I'm unemployed. I'll just go home and tell my wife about that. I'll, I'm sure Kristen will be thrilled, you know, and it's not like I was making great money. We were both working and, and the cost of living was low and we were just trying to get through school and and, and get into full-time ministry, and yet I was not just pumped to say, yes, I'm unemployed, I lost my job, this is great, I've been married for a year, and I remember at that moment just being like, oh my, you know, and just having this like sick feeling, and um, so I, like, I, of course they wait till Friday, you always fire someone or let them go on Friday, right, so that they don't come in the next day crazy and all mad, and so they let me go on Friday at like 9.30, like I, first thing I get to work is on my agenda, it's like meeting, and I, I went to the meeting, and they let me go, and so by like 10 a.m., I'm home, like hyper hyperventilating, like, I, I can't provide for my family, and Kristen's going to leave me, and, you know, just, like, worried sick, and um, so I did what any guy did, and I got a job the next day and got over it, uh, which wasn't a huge deal, you know, but I was, like, super worried and, like, upset. I got a job for the last three months I lived there and then moved to Ohio and never thought about it again, but in the moment, I was just like, 
oh my goodness, God, what are you doing? Why would you do this to my family? And I, I realize now that he was, he was bringing me through that and kind of building up my endurance to look to him, to trust to him, to trust him, because there would be a moment that I would have to step out in faith and say, all right, God, I've been at, I've been at this great, wonderful church where some great things have happened, and they, they, they have a 403B for me, and a lot of pastors don't get cool stuff like that, and they've taken care of me, and I have benefits, and for some crazy reason, I think you want me to move to Hilliard and, and leave all that and start a church, and I don't know if we're going to be able to raise support, and I might have to work at Burger King, and I, I don't know what's like the next chapter, and I realized that God was using that, that first little bit of, of, of losing a job or losing my comfort in Indiana to prepare me for the, the process of Movement Church. God was saying, I want you to look to me, I want you to depend on me, and it's, this, is, this is preparing you for something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you through later. And so Jonah is kind of in that, that same mode because he had to look to God. He had to, he had to depend on God. He had to say, God, you've got control. I don't know what's going on here. Previously, he had tried to run from God and say, God, you do not have control. I'm going to do what I want. Now God had his attention. Now God had his focus. And so God proceeds to give him a second chance in chapter 3. God is a God of second chances. And so let's read chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time kind of generous. I don't know that God owed him a second, second speaking, but he gave him one. Verse 2 says this, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they decided to go without food and wear sackcloth to show their sorrow. It's kind of like wearing Michigan clothes, if you guys need a modern translation. That's what I would compare sackcloth and sorrow to. Uh, Verse verse 6 says this, When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in sackcloth and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Everyone is required to wear sackcloth and pray earnestly to God. Everyone must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So this chapter starts off by saying that then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And we, we said that, that that's, that's pretty merciful right there because God had already spoken to Jonah once. And this is a man who was a prophet, right? Like his job was to listen to, to God. And so uh, if, if your boss said, hey, you're in sales. I need you to go sell this product to these people. And you're like, okay, great. And then you got on a boat and went the opposite direction. I don't think your boss would come to you and say, Hey, I'm not going to fire you. I know you got on a boat, kind of freaked out. You got swallowed by a fish. It's no big deal. Listen, I need you to go and do the thing I already asked you to do, right? No, your boss would be like, hey, you deserve what you got when you got swallowed by that fish. Sorry about your luck, you know? And so, uh, but, but God goes to him and he says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this again. And so we see God showing compassion to, to Jonah. We see, see God showing compassion to Nineveh. And again, that's our overarching theme of this book, that God is compassionate. He wasn't just compassionate to the sailors. He wasn't just compassionate to Jonah. He was compassionate to this entire city of Nineveh in the way that that he treated them and and the way that he approached them. And it says uh, right there that, uh, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. That's one way of translating it. Other passages or other translations even say, uh, this great city to me. And so this is a a city that God kind of 
uh, draws close to himself and he cares about the people and the, the souls and, and the eternal value of the people in this city and so he's concerned about it. And either, even though they've been awful, I know that we talked last week, there were crazy awful things going on. There was bloodshed going on and sacrifices and children being killed and some wild things in Nineveh. And even because of that, in spite of that, God still loves them and has compassion on them. And so Jonah goes into this city and uh, he, he goes in and basically says, hey, God's going to kill all you guys, right? He, he kind of just preaches destruction, and that's the angle he takes. He doesn't say God's a God of compassion and mercy, and so he's not um, really doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't go in and say God is a God of grace. He wants, to, he wants you to know him. He wants to save you guys. He just kind of takes the angle of like, hey, run for your lives. We're all going to die. And, and even in spite of that, even in spite of his kind of bad attitude and not really doing what God had asked him to do, God still uses that. And these people understand what's going on. And God works in their hearts and works in their lives. And they say, we need to stop what we're doing. We need to get on our, our faces and just repent and, 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 and sing and pray to God and, and stop everything that's going on that's bad in our country. We need to focus on him and, and look to him. And we can see that because uh, even in, what was it, verse 9 there, uh, the, the, the king says, who can tell? Perhaps yet God will have pity. He has no idea that God is going to have mercy or show mercy to them because Jonah doesn't really show his cards and, and let them know that and, and see that. And so even though Jonah's heart is, is not in it, God shows compassion to these people, to the Ninevites, and relents on what was going to happen. And God offers mercy even though these, these people don't deserve it. And so God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah ran the other way. And Jonah came to the end of himself and to the end of his plan, and he was, he was down deep, and he was looking at drowning in this water, and God brought this crazy plan where a fish would swallow him, and then a fish would spit him up on land, and God would still use this path to bring about his goal. And you always wonder what Jonah looked like as he walked into Nineveh, if he'd been in this, the belly of this fish for a while, if there was just like, you know, acid and stuff, if like half of his hair was burnt off, and he's like limping, and like, God's going to kill you all, you know? Like he probably looked like a crazy guy just yelling at everyone, and yet God still used that. God still said, this is what I want to do. I want people to know my, my mercy. I want them to see my compassion. And I want to relent on what was going to happen to them. I want to save them. I want to work in them. And I think that, that something we can learn from this, something that we can learn from these chapters in this selection of Scripture, is this overarching theme that God is compassionate. God is, is merciful. And even if we've been running from God, even if we've not been listening to what He's saying to us, what He's been calling out to us, we can still turn to him. God can still use us. God can still work in us. Repentance is the heart of both of these chapters of Scripture. Jonah repents and realizes the error of his ways. The Ninevites repent and see the error of their ways. And what does it mean to repent? Well, the word repent basically means about face, just like we've already talked about. It means when you're, you're going one direction, you're doing one thing, you're focused on this, you're heading toward this, and you realize that you were just completely wrong. Maybe you got some bad information. Maybe uh, your Google Maps app sent you the wrong way. You don't know what's happening, but, but you need to reroute. And you need to completely do an about-face, turn the other direction and go the other way and admit that you were wrong, admit that you were headed in the wrong direction, and admit that this is the way you need to go. That's what repentance looks like. It's confessing the things that we've done wrong, confessing the things that, that we've been relying on and depending on and admitting that, that we need to look to God for our hope, for our significance, for our value and our, our security. How do we do that? Well, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, we all think, okay, if I'm running the wrong direction, what do I do? You don't just, you don't just stop and say, 
all right, I'm not going to run that direction anymore. It looks like there's a cliff up there. I might get swallowed by a big fish. I can't really tell. I'm just going to stay right here where I'm at. I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to stay right here. No, you, you realize you're going the wrong direction, and you turn and you, you face the other way. And so if you've been running one direction, and maybe you've never realized, you know what, I've been ignoring God. I've been turned from God. I've been, I've been running away from Him. I've been doing my own thing. I've been selfish. And maybe this is the first time you realize that God is a God of mercy. God is a God who wants to, to use us and show us His grace. It means that, that once you realize that, you have to stop trying to, to run your own life. Stop trying to, to live on your own plans and, and do your own thing and admit that, that we're, never, we're never going to, to be good enough. The things that we do will never be enough to, to really complete us, to fulfill us. At our, at our, at our core, and our hearts, we're all, we're all people who have sinned, who have messed up, and we're selfish people who think that, that we can satisfy everything that needs to be done. And we're, we're good enough, we're smart enough, and, and we can be everything. And the reality is that because we have sin, we always fall short of, of God's standard, of his standard of, of holiness. And that's not bad, that's just reality for us. And so once we realize that we've been headed in the wrong direction, we've been looking to ourselves and we've been selfish, we can stop doing that. We can turn to God and we can say, God, I need you. Nothing I do is enough. I can't be the the man or the woman that I want to be. I can't be the husband or wife or the mother or father. I can't be the employee. I can't be the person I want to be without you. I've messed up and I've fallen short. And as we repent and as we do that, we can look to Jesus and we can acknowledge that Jesus is God. And that he's the only person who has the authority to run our lives. The only person who has the authority to give us direction. And he's the only one who can save us because he gave his life on the cross. He's the only one who can give us access to God the Father. We were created in the image of God. We were created to know God. And yet we we can't know God unless Jesus comes into our life, takes away our sin, and creates a bridge to God the Father. And so we look to him and we say, God, provide a way. Help me find my way back to God. I I give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to run away from the things I've been running toward, and I want to run to you. Some of us have have made that decision. Maybe you've repented, but maybe maybe you haven't. And so I want to let you know that today, I would love for you to make that decision. I would love to help you make that decision. If you feel like your whole life you haven't really understood what your life was about or where you were going, you feel like you weren't really sure what the point of life was and you felt like you were just existing and and getting by. You were created to know God and because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you can know God, you can have a relationship with God, you can be found in Him and you can be made complete. And that's as simple as as talking to God, praying to Him and talking today and and saying, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to start a relationship with you. This is new to me and it's, it's, I don't really understand it, but I would love to talk with you and, and pray with you. And we have some other people here who can talk and pray with you. And so uh, if that's you, in a, in a second we'll offer an opportunity. But I wanted to just let you know that as you're thinking about it. Maybe you're one of the people who, uh, like Jonah, you feel like you've known God. You've known of God. You've grown up in church. And you, you would even say that you're a Christian. And yet um, you've continued to kind of run from him and run the opposite direction. You've continued to, to sin and, and mess up and compromise things and fall into temptation. And just you have habits that... Looking back and, and realizing now, looking at the example of Jonah, you realize that some of the things you've done have been selfish, and they've led to your destruction. They've led to the destruction of, of people around you that you care about. And so as a, as a follower of Jesus, you've realized, you know what, I've, I've turned my back on the person I said I gave my life to, and I want to I turn toward him today, and I, I need to confess this. I need to repent from, from these things that have been a distraction. 
and I need to walk toward, toward God. I need to take steps to him. Repentance is simply that, just confessing sin and saying, God, I've done these things to try and fulfill me. Only you can fulfill me. I want to know you. I want to be found in you. I want my hope in you, and I want my security in you. We said last week that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He didn't come to just put a sticker on us and say, okay, feel better. You got a, you got a Jesus sticker. Things are great. He came, he came to make dead people alive. And as long as we're living for ourselves and pursuing our own path and, and thinking that we're good, we are, we are dead. We are lost, and we are, we are going nowhere. And left to ourselves, good things and things that make us feel special and giving money to United Way and lots of things that we do that have value don't actually bring us life. Life is found in Jesus Christ and in knowing Him. So repentance is taking a step toward Jesus and saying, I want to know you. I want to face you. I want to run toward you. When we repent, we're not saying, I'm perfect. I've arrived. Things are great. We're just saying, I recognize that I need your grace that I don't deserve. I need your help. I need your mercy. Just like Jonah did at his lowest point in his time of trouble. He needed to admit that God had a plan for him and he wanted to be a part of that plan. Just like the Ninevites realized that that they needed God's help and God's mercy. They were headed for destruction on their own. Imagine what it would look like if, if we were a church who embraced that mercy, who embraced that God is in control of us. Because let's be honest, there's, there's times in our lives and seasons in our life where we don't. And so this morning, our band's going to come back up and they're going to sing, and, and I want this to be a time of repentance. I don't, I don't know what you need to do. Maybe for the first time you're realizing that God has a plan for you and you want to know him, I would love for you to, to come up and, and talk to me. I realize that, oh, that might be embarrassing or something you can think of, but, but here's, the, here's the truth. Giving your life to someone, giving your life to follow Jesus... There might be moments that, 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 that you think that's embarrassing. There might be moments that you think, wow, that's tough. That's not what I had planned. So this is, this is just one simple step of boldness. You can, you can find someone at the next steps table afterwards and, and talk to them. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Or if you're just someone who thinks that you have, you have junk in your life, something that you need to repent, something that you need to, to, to just tell God or tell someone else about, I want you to do that as we, as we sing today. And so as we, uh, as we close here, let's, let's just make this a time of repentance, a time that we can say, God, here's what's been going on in my life, and here's how I'm repenting, here's how I'm turning to you, here's how I'm taking steps toward you and how I'm being found in you. So let me pray, and we can continue to just repent. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a chance to know you. Thank you for a chance to look into your word. God, this, this story is one that we've known most of our lives. We knew the story of Jonah and the whale, and yet we didn't understand. Just like we do, Lord, he was, he was running from you. We, we glamorize him, and he's considered a hero, and yet the backstory is, Lord, that he, he wanted to do his own thing. God, we know that, that you, you preserved this story and, and made it so that, that we could see ourselves in this story, God, because we often run from you and want to pursue our own path and our own plan. Lord, I pray today that as we're in your word, we know that, that your word is living and active, Pray that, that it, it worked in our hearts. Lord, showed us things that we need to, to avoid, things we need to turn away from, and how we need to repent and look to you. God, maybe that's for the first time. Maybe that's just uh, something that we need to, uh, 
address in our relationship with you. We, we've been following you, but we just need to address some things that have, have gotten off course. God, help us to have the courage to do that today. I'm going to ask uh, if, if there is someone who, uh, who for the first time is realizing that they would like to have a relationship with God, for the first time they're realizing the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross, I want to just ask that, that right now that, that you would just simply uh, put your hand up in a step of, of boldness and say, Lord, I want to, I want to follow you. There's someone here that, that wants to do that, that just wants to, wants to talk, wants to say, what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? Just go ahead and slip your hand up and, and say, that's, that's me. I've got some things in my life that I need to walk away from. I've got some things in my life that I, I need to address. If that's you and you'd like to talk to someone, just go ahead, put your hand up and say, I want to, I want to walk toward God. I want to find my way back to him through the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's continue to, to worship today, to be excited about what God is doing because this, this story is not a downer. It doesn't end in, in the ocean, at the bottom of the ocean. It ends with God showing us mercy. And so even though we, we may be sad, we can be excited that God has a plan for us. God has found us. God is using us and God is showing us his mercy. So let's sing about that today. God, be with us as we, as we sing to you. Work in our hearts, work in our lives. Give us boldness. Help us to have the courage to turn toward you and to run to you today as a church, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.